Okay, so we're in the fifth week of this particular series called How To, and we're dealing with uh, different questions that were submitted by the people in this church and people that are connected with us online. And so over the last four weeks, we were answering several uh, different questions. Last week, we answered the question of how to pray. And, um, you know, I, I did not expect to get the kind of response I got last week. I, I you know, again, uh, um, I, I prepared, I preached, and uh, I realized that it kind of struck a nerve with many people, and they uh, heard a lot of things that they did not necessarily hear before. And so in every service uh, last week, I, I've had conversations with people and coming and talking to me and, and talking about things that they uh, uh, heard for the first time or things that they completely did not understand and they wanted to know more about it and also uh, uh, areas of struggle in their own life when it comes to prayer, confidence with God and other things. And so today what I'm going to do is I, I just made a decision um, uh, during the week that I will just take some more time today to talk about how to pray and we'll go just uh, uh, take a deeper step into this and at a later time I'm going to do an entire series just on prayer but for today we'll do this and then uh, next week we're going to start a brand new series on the kingdom of God amen, amen. all right so uh, James chapter 5 and verse 16 let's turn to James chapter 5 and verse 16 uh, um, and as you're turning there again uh, I see some people that were not necessarily here with us last week I hope uh, you watch the video uh, or, or, or the messages that are online so that you can catch up. But uh, a little bit of foundation that, uh, that I laid last week. One of the things or, or three things that I mentioned last week was number one, I said prayer must be thought about through the lens of the new covenant and the kingdom of God. Right? Prayer must be thought about for, through the lens of the New Testament and the kingdom of God. Well, why is that necessary or why is that important? It is necessary and important to understand that because, again, we believe that the entire Bible is the inspired word of God. We are not saying that the New Testament is greater than the Old Testament in any way. All we are saying is and all we have to understand is even though there are things outlined in the Old Testament, we are not living in or under the Old Testament. We are now living under the New Testament. So there are certain things that happened in the Old Testament, certain things that we see in the Bible, but we don't necessarily practice them in our everyday life. Uh, again, a common example is in the Old Testament, you saw animal sacrifices when they came to worship God you saw them kill the the sacrifice of animals the blood that was shed well we just spent some time worshiping God before I began to preach well you didn't see any blood being spilled well don't we see it in the Bible pastor aren't we supposed to shed some blood this evening well no why because we're not living in that testament we're not living in that covenant because of the blood of Jesus we don't have to do it any more amen so in the same way there are certain prayers or the way a person prayed in the old testament was perfectly normal at that time but that does not mean we learn from the very same thing and copy the same thing <clears throat> in our lives in the new testament so we need to make sure our understanding of prayer has to be seen through the eyes or through the lens of the New Testament. Why, does, why uh, uh, does it need to be seen through the uh, lens of the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus said that we are now living in the kingdom of God. You have to understand your role in the kingdom. You have to understand God's role in this kingdom. You have to understand your role in prayer and understand God's role in prayer. When you understand those two roles, the way you approach God drastically changes if you have the wrong understanding of who God is in your life if you have the wrong understanding of who you are you miss how to pray your approach to God drastically changes and then secondly I say just like everything else in the kingdom of God prayer also operates by faith all right. If you, you just can't blurt out certain things out of frustration or blurt out certain things because you desire for them and think, OK, this is prayer and or OK, uh, uh, you know, th this is the way I'm going to pray. Because the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And without faith, it is impossible to receive anything of 
God in our lives. And then thirdly, I, I said that prayer must be thought about as a dialogue and not just a monologue. Again, there are a lot of things that we have picked up about prayer. A lot of ideas from culture, from uh, uh, families, from friends, and from uh, 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 you know other influences in our life, and even sometimes from church tradition. And so we think, you know, uh, 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 you, you might hear this say, uh, uh, did you say your prayers, right? Have you said your prayers? Well, where did we get that from, right? Did you say your prayers? And what do we, it's almost like, did you say your poem today? You know, well, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you're in. You go through it and say like, yeah, I've, I've, I've do, I'm done, right? And, and that's how we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, I want to blah, 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 done. I'm done for today. I said my prayers, right? And we, we, we don't even know if he heard us. We don't know if he, he wants to talk back to us. We think we're, we're done with prayer. And, and, and I want us to understand that it's not just a monologue, but it is a dialogue. You can expect God to talk back to you, lead you, and guide you in our lives. Now, one of the things that I, uh, 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 you know, started as I started talking to people, one of the things I saw or, uh, you know, or, or one of the things that people were dealing with when it comes to prayer was their confidence or lack of confidence in prayer, right? Lack of confidence in prayer. Because uh, we, we saw from scripture last week that God actually hears our prayers and that God would actually want to answer our prayers. And yet, as I was having conversations, they would say, Pastor, I, I, I see what the Bible says, but in my life, in, in my heart, when I try to pray, I, I always have a lack of confidence whether God actually wants me uh, or hears me or wants to have a conversation with me. I don't know in what kind of mood God is, so to speak, right? And so James chapter 5 and verse 16 says this, James 5 and verse 16 says, uh, uh, the second part of it, it says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let's look at that in the Amplified, please. Right? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, in the Amplified, it says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working." Right now, it says tremendous power available. Well, for you and I, for the sake of our conversation today, let's just say that means the prayer of a righteous man is effective. In other words, right? That means a prayer of a righteous man is going to get answers, is going to get results. Prayer that gets results. Prayer that is not just shooting something in the sky and hoping something happens, but prayer that will actually get results in our lives. Now, it says the prayer of a righteous man. See, one of the, one of the things that I began to understand and realize is the, 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 the less we understand our right standing before God and righteousness, the more likely we are, we're going to shake in our confidence before God. See, that's why it says the prayer of a righteous man, not just any man, but a righteous man that prays, his prayers are going to be effective. Why? Because he's going to go before God in faith and in confidence. Right? In faith and in his confidence. Now, so, you know, so to understand prayer, to, to become effective in prayer, to be bold in prayer, we need to understand that we have been made the righteousness of God in and through Christ Jesus. Right? Not of ourselves. It is, it is not something that we have obtained. Now, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Again, a, a familiar scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Right? It says, if any man is in Christ, what? He is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. The, the, the Greek actually says, a species of being that never existed before. Now, if you've been coming to the church even for the last few months, it's almost like we, we visit this verse almost in every message, so to speak. Why? Because I'm trying to get you to divorce your old self. I'm trying to get you to, to stop thinking and dragging the old dead body along with you everywhere you go. Why? Because that body is stinking up your new life. Alright? That dead body is stinking up your new life that comes from God. What is happening is the more we drag on with our old life. See, we have to be established in this truth. That God says, the old has passed away. Behold, I have made all things new in your life. 
And he says, you are a species of being that never existed before. That means everything I think from that point on, the way I think, the way I associate with God, the way I think about God, the way I relate to God, everything has to be new. Nothing from the old can be brought into the new. Are we getting that? And so, and then go to verse 21. So we are a new species of being that never existed. He says, for he, him, uh, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Now he's talking about Jesus, right? Jesus who knew no sin. He came into this world. He was, uh, 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 and by the way, the reason why he was born of a virgin is because of this. No, I, I, I've had a, 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 a precious gift given by God. I had a, a daughter being born about three weeks ago. Now, as beautiful as she is, as, as much as I love her, guess what? She's born with iniquity. She's born into sin, right? She, just because she's so cuddly and cute and all of that, she, she's not the righteousness of God. The, the reality is, just being born into this world, she is born with sin, the nature of sin, right? The nature of sin is on the inside. When you are born again, your very nature changes on the inside, right? Your nature changes. So he says, he who knew no sin was made sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. The King James says so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Again, it does not say so that you can transform yourself and become righteous. It doesn't say you by your hard work will one day become righteous. You after making a lot of sacrifices in your life will attain righteousness. You by going across, uh, giving up your family, going into the mountains, going into the forest. And, 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 and then one day you will reach the status of a righteous person, a holy person. No, no, no. He says you were filled with sin. On the other side, there is Jesus standing filled with righteousness. No sin whatsoever. No righteousness whatsoever. All right? Two complete polar extreme opposites. And this opposite, there's a divine exchange that takes place. All of your sin nature goes to Jesus. All of his righteous nature goes to you. It is credited to you. So, not because of the works that you have done, but simply because you believe in him. That's why the Bible says it is a gift of God, the gift of righteousness. Amen? Amen. So, you and I are not trying to earn it. See, the minute we try to earn, it's no longer a gift. It's no longer a gift. Right? See, uh, 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 earlier today, uh, when, when some of the uh, uh, church uh, members and family saw my daughter, and a and, and couple of them brought some gifts. Now, I didn't say, thank you so much for the gift. Once she's 10 years old, I'll, I'll send her to your house, and you can use her for uh, uh, cleaning up the dishes for this gift. Right? I didn't say that. She doesn't even know how to say thank you. She doesn't even understand what that gift is. I said thank you on her behalf, and I received the gift. I didn't say, oh, this is beautiful. How many days of work for this? That's what we do before God. Say, oh, thank you for salvation. Oh, thank you for forgiveness. How much should I pay for this? How much should I pray for this? How many hours do I need to kneel down? How many hours do I, how many times do I have to come to church? How many days do I have to fast? And what is happening? Rather than receiving the gift, you are trying to earn the gift and every single time you try to earn the gift you don't even we don't even understand the value of the gift why because even if you try for the rest of your life and for the rest of eternity you will not be able to pay the price that was paid for you and for me amen and so we need to understand this is something that has been given to us see your confidence in prayer is affected by what you believe about righteousness your confidence in prayer is affected by what you believe about righteousness. You are made the righteousness of God. You have to move from sin consciousness to righteousness consciousness. Move away from sin consciousness to righteousness consciousness. Your old nature is filled with sin consciousness. Your new nature has to be filled with 
righteousness consciousness because that is your identity in him you are not righteous because you feel like it you are not righteous because you do everything right you are righteous because that is the way God made you when you were born again see my daughter is not unrighteous and she's not sinful because of what she's done she's unrighteous right now because she is born with that nature you don't become righteous because you do something right you become righteous because you are born again the first nature came to you from your parents the second time you were born again that nature comes to you from God are you getting it that nature comes to you from God not from your parents and not from anybody else go to Isaiah chapter uh, 32 please Isaiah 32 and verse 17 in the New King James. Isaiah 32, 17 says, The work of righteousness will be what? Peace. The work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. See, once you get established in the truth that you are the righteousness of God and that it is not affected by what you do, the result of that will be peace in your life. The result of that will be quietness in your life. The result of that will be an assurance and it says assurance forever. Listen, listen, listen. What does that not say? It does not say assurance till you fall again. It does not say assurance till you mess up one more time. But that's the way we read it. That's the way we think about it let's look at that in the amplified version and th see this is where the transform transformation needs to take place in our hearts and in our minds right and look look at that in the amplified and it says uh, the effect of righteousness will be peace internal and external and the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust for how long forever, forever. confident trust in whom in him in your father Confident trust in him forever. Having assurance, having confidence. Now, turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15. All right. It says, uh, now this is the confidence that we have in him. Again, confidence, assurance that we have in him where does that assurance come from where does that confidence come from from your right standing with God from your righteousness your right standing before the God of the universe is 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 what gives you the confidence and it says now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us right again we if we drill down further into this that means uh, uh, when he says, uh, uh, go back to the previous verse, please. And it says, if, if we ask anything according to his will. Again, what is his will? His word, right? How do we know? Again, because we're living in the new covenant, in the New Testament, to, to make it, uh, uh, um, you know, to, to drill down into this, we, you can say, if we ask anything according to the new covenant that we have in him. Are you understanding that? If we ask anything according to the new covenant that we have in him, he hears us. Next verse, he says, and if we, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. I said this in the earlier verse. Don't pray without knowing the will of God regarding the things that you're praying about. This is not just shooting stuff into the dark. See, for example, you know, when, when, when a person is sick, right, they fall, fall sick or uh, uh, maybe a, a child in your home, maybe a husband, a wife, or uh, maybe your parents, someone gets a negative report uh, and, and you gather together and maybe someone from the church or something, whatever, and you gather together and you say, uh, uh, Lord, uh, we come uh, uh, this evening, this morning to pray for so-and-so. They're struggling with this. They're having a painful time. And Father, we just pray uh, that if it be your will, that you would heal this person. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have heard those kinds of prayers? Right? Every one of you. Right? Now, what's the problem with that kind of prayer? Do you find any faith in that? No. 
Do you find any confidence in that? No. Why? Because you said, if it be your will, if you want to heal, go ahead and do something. Why? Because they're having a tough time right now. They're hurting, they're in pain, so if it's your will, do it. Now, if you simply open up this word and read a little bit of the New Testament, you will know without a shadow of doubt that it is God's will to heal. All right? If it is God's will to heal, then when you go to him in prayer, don't say and don't, say, don't ask or don't say, if it be your will, heal them. Well, how am I supposed to pray, Pastor? Well, you get, get to, with the person that you need to pray for and say, Father, I thank you for this opportunity to pray for so-and-so. The doctors say that this is the report, Lord, but according to your will, according to your word, you said in your word that we can lay our hands on the sick and they will recover. You said in your word that by your stripes we were healed. And so, Lord, we speak to this body, we speak to this cancer, we speak to this cold, we speak to this headache, whatever the case may be, and you say, in the name of Jesus, we cast it out of that body and we minister healing to the entire body. We command the body to respond to the word of God, be healed in Jesus' name. Right? Why? Because you never see Jesus praying to the Father and saying, Lord, should I heal this person? Why? He already knows. That's the, that's the point of him's coming. He came to heal the sick. Right? There's no doubt about it. The only time Jesus ever prayed and said, Lord, if it be your will, remove this for me, was in the garden of Gethsemane before his crucifixion. That's the only time. That's the only kind of prayer where you ask and say, Lord, if it be your will. Right? You, when you don't know specifically from the word of God, regarding certain things in your life. That's the only time you say, Lord, if it be your will, let me know about this. If it be your will, lead me to do this, lead me to do that, whatever the case may be. When it comes to healing. See, you don't, if, if one of your friends at the office tomorrow says, hey, I want to be saved. Do you say, mm, well, Lord, here's my friend. If it be your will, save this person. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray that? No. Why? You say, well, pastor, that's why Jesus came into this world. He came, to, he came to seek and save those that are lost. He came for the sinner. Of course he wants to, well, do you ever see him saying anything other than that when it comes to healing? No. Every single sick person that comes to, into his presence, he healed them. There was not, you will not find a single situation in the New Testament where Jesus said, not the time to heal you. Right? So you know the will of God. Know the will of God and declare that in your life. Grow in your confidence. Become a righteous con righteousness conscious. Then you are conscious of the sin nature. Proverbs 18, uh, 28 verse 1. Proverbs 28 uh, verse 1 says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. Right? The righteous are as bold as a lion. That means that's your identity. If you're the righteousness of God, you have that DNA, that potential in you. It doesn't matter what your uh, um, you know, personality is. You can begin to confess that and declare that over your life. I am the righteousness of God and I am bold as a lion. I am the righteousness of God and I am bold as a lion. Declare that every day over your life. So, uh, you know, don't keep saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a scared person. I'm a shy person. I don't know how to talk to other people. No, no, no. That's not who you are. You are the righteousness of God and you are as bold as a lion. Now, you might not see yourself there, but don't give up on the process. You see, even when it comes to the life of Moses, Moses in, in, in uh, you know, all of you know the story of Moses. In, in Exodus chapter 4, uh, uh, that's when God speaks to Moses and says, hey, I want you to uh, uh, get the nation of Israel and move them out of Egypt. And, and Moses comes up with the excuse and says, I don't know how to speak. I can't speak. Come up with a better plan. Use somebody else. Do something. I can't speak. Right? But you know the story. God continues to use him. He does great and mighty things. Then when you go into chapter 32, now God is upset with the nation of Israel. 
And he's angry with the nation of Israel. And Moses was the mediator at that time. So God would speak to Moses. Moses would talk to the nation. Nation would talk to Moses. Moses would bring the news back to God. Right? He was the mediator. And at one point, God is upset with the nation of Israel. He says, I'm going to get rid of these guys. I'm going to make you a great nation, Moses. That's what he begins to say in chapter 32. And this is what Moses says. Moses says, why would you do that? Do you want the Egyptians to say their God brought them out of the nation of Israel, uh, out of the nation of Egypt only to kill them in the wilderness? No, you don't want people to say that about you. And then he goes on to say, so repent of your way, Lord. Did you just hear what he just told God to do? Moses tells God to repent. Now, what does repent mean? That, that doesn't mean, he's not asking God to fall on his knees and start crying, right? What he's, what he's meaning, again, that, again, that's a religious understanding of repent. Repent means to change your mind, change the way you're thinking about this. So in other words, he's saying, God, that's not a good plan. Let's come up with another plan. But think about this. This is a mortal human being, Moses who said who could not speak to another man, now stands before God and tell, is telling God to change his mind. Right? So now, now, by the way, I'm not telling you to go and start telling God to change his mind about your plans that he has for your life. All right? Uh, uh, you know, just in case you're wondering, he is God and you're not. He has much more wisdom than you do. He has better plans for your life than you do. All right. So I'm not saying that that's not the, the point that I'm trying to get you to understand. What I'm trying to say is that's the kind of confidence that Moses grew up into. And if Moses got from the place where he says, I can't talk to another person to the place where he can talk to God with such boldness, with such confidence, Guess what? You are in a better covenant with better promises. What are you afraid of? See, God is not trying to punish you for every wrong thing that you've done. God is looking for ways to encourage you, bless you, move you on into the things that he has destined for your life. It is us who are so conscious of our sin that we forget the things that are before us and get stuck with the things that are in front of us. You see, my, my, my firstborn, when she started, now she walks, runs, she jumps and skips and does all of these things. But a couple of years ago, when she was starting to walk, she would fall all the time, right? And all of you did the same as well, right? Now, I don't know about your parents, but I didn't have a, I didn't maintain a notebook where I noted down every day that she fell down, right? And then I said, when this girl is 10 years old, I'm going to show her how crazy stupid she was. She could not even walk. And I'll show her the number of times that she fell down. No. I don't even remember how many times she fell. I don't care how many times she fell. All I cared about was her walking. Every time she would fall, I'd say, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. What do you th why do you think God is any different? Why do you think God who sent his only begotten son to die for you, why do you think he's out there to punish you for every single thing that, that, that you mess up in your life? He's not trying to punish you. He's trying to get you forward and move into the things that he has destined for your life. He's not trying to punish you. He's trying to get you up. That's why the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, he, but he what gets back up again. You can fall, but don't stay in that position. Don't stay. When you fall for, you know, in certain places in your life, that's not the time to run away from God. That's the time to run to God. He's your only hope. He's your point of salvation, not something else. Don't think that now that I've fallen, I have to do something to get back into, the, into my rightful standing with him. No, you don't have to do anything to get back into the rightful standing with him. Why? Because you already have rightful stand, right standing with him. Are you getting that? It has been something that has been given to you, not something that we earn of ourselves. Go to Galatians chapter 4, please. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1. Galatians 4 and verse 1. And it says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his children, those children are not much more better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything that their father had. Right? Right? 
And w when we did the previous series on Galatians, I talked about this. And, and when he's talking about growing, he's talking about growing and understanding that you're righteous, you're, that you're the righteousness of God. Right? So what's happening? That means God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, to, uh, to be raised again from the dead, gives you this eternal inheritance into your life. And what do we do? When we are sin conscious, when we keep beating up our own selves because of certain things that have gone wrong in our lives, what are we doing? We are being childish before God. And when you're being a child, it says you are no better off than slaves, even though you own it all. Even though everything has been given to you, rather than walking into the freedom of what God has for you, what are you doing? You're chaining yourself up to the old system and you are no better than a slave. That's why it's important to understand righteousness. That's why it's important to grow in the things that God has for us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. I'm giving you a, a, a scripture so that you can think about this and, and study this out later on. Romans 5.17 in the Amplified, please. In the Amplified, please. <clears throat> it says, for if, for if because of one man's trespasses, lapse offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness. Everyone say free gift. Of righteousness. All right. So this is not something that you earn once again. Get that into your heart. Get that into your mind. The free gift of righteousness. Putting them into right standing with himself. So what? So. So. The way you can stand before God. Without any guilt. Without any condemnation. Without any judgment in your life. The way you can stand before him. Is by receiving this gift. See, it, it, it's kind of like this. Think about the most powerful person in the world or someone that you want to meet, right? The only way that you can have access to them is by, by, by invitation only, right? So when they give you that invitation, by invitation only card, what is that? That's a gift that has been given to you. You can't earn your way into that. You can't say, well, you know, uh, uh, I'll just give this much amount of money and walk in. No, no, no. This is by invitation only. And what is happening is he's saying that it is a free gift of righteousness. What? Putting them into right standing with himself. So he is extending this invitation and saying, here you go. Get the invitation. Come to the party. And what we're trying to say is, okay, 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 so, I, so, so how much do I have to pay? No, 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 come to the party. Okay, so, 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 so I, I can stay in the parking lot? I can stay in the parking lot? No, 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 come to the party. Okay, so one mile radius is okay? One mile radius is okay? So a lot of superstars coming there? A lot of, no, 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 you can, you can come to the party. No. Okay, so I can be in the same city? I can be in the same city as everyone else? No, 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 he's saying come to the party. Come to the throne of grace. Why? It is not based on what you are doing. It is based on my love. It is based on my grace for your life. I'm giving it to you. You need to simply receive it. When you simply receive it, you come into that rightful standing. And then he goes on to say, so that we, no, 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 previous verse, yeah. So that we can reign as kings in life. Through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Why is he giving us right standing before God? So that you and I can reign as kings. Reigning as kings in life. How can I reign as king in life? Only by you understanding you have a right standing before God. Only by knowing that you are the righteousness of God. Pastor, how can I speak to a sick body? How can I, you know, I never went to seminary school, pastor. I didn't go to Bible college. How can I pray for a sick person? Pastor, I, I, you know, I never was trained under a, a, a great uh, a pastor, a great leader. Uh, uh, how am I supposed to just lay my hands on, uh, on my child? How am I supposed to go and preach the gospel to someone else? How am I supposed to go and share my testimony with someone else? How am I supposed to pray and ask God to do these great and wonderful things in my life? That way. Understanding you're righteous. How am I supposed to do it? The way Jesus did it. Jesus has had, had zero doubt that, uh, about his standing before his father. Zero doubt. 
he all, what, what did we see last week? He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I know that you always hear me. When does he say that? Standing before the tomb of Lazarus, a dead body, three days dead, stinking up the place. That's when he says, I know you've heard me this morning or last night. And guess what, God, I, I, Father, I know you always hear me. Confident. No doubt. No shame. No guilt. Nothing. Confident. And, and that's the position that we've been given. Where, where are we seated in Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 1? When he talks, we're seated in heavenly places far above all principalities, rulers of darkness and all of these. And, and we're seated at the right hand of the Father. We're seated with Jesus Christ. It's not that Jesus Christ is sitting on a throne and we're serving him. No, we're actually seated with him. You're not the server serving at the table. You're the one that is seated with him at the table. That's the position. He says, that's the gift that I'm giving you. And most of us, we're afraid to even get into the palace. And he says, no, 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 come in. Come in. Because that's what I have given to you. All right. Now, uh, uh, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 very quickly. Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand that you can go before God at any time. It says, let us therefore come boldly. Everyone say boldly. Boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, we can come boldly through the throne of grace. Meaning... We can come before God, the throne room of God, boldly. Now, think about this. The throne room of God or the throne of God is the most holy, is the most awesome, is the most important place in all of the universe. Not just India, not just the world. It's the most important place. It's the most awesome place. It is the most magnificent place in all of the universe. And he says, into that place, you come boldly. Think about this. If you've ever been given an invitation to come and meet an important person, maybe a politician or a, a, a business person, whatever, and, and a lot of times and you looked up to that person and, and you're about to go into that room, you know they're on the other side of that door, they're, they're waiting for you. And, and, and your heart starts beating fast and there's a little bit of tension. You don't know like, okay, should I shake their hand? Should I just stand? Do I, what do I do? What do I do? And here he says, no, no, no. Don't have any of that. And this isn't, we're not talking about a politician. We're not talking about a movie star. We're not talking about a sports personality. We're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of heaven and earth, the God of this universe. And he says, you can come into my throne of grace Boldly. Why? Not because of how good you are. Not because of what you have done. Because I have paid the price for your access. And see, every time we think, you know, if I pray for so long, then I will have access. If I fast for so long, then I will have access. If I come to church for five weeks without missing, then I will have access. What we have just done is, you are saying the price or, or the cost for getting into the throne of grace, the price or cost to be heard by God is five times of coming to church. Five days of fasting and praying. You're saying 30 minutes of kneeling down, 30 minutes of crying, 30 minutes of, of spending time with the poor or feeding 30 orphan kids. That's the price. And when we think that way, what, we are under, what we're not understanding is the cost that Jesus had to pay for our sin. You and I, we cannot pay the price. And we've got to understand that. We cannot pay the price. That's why Jesus paid the price. We receive that gift and we walk into the throne of grace with boldness. See, we need to understand that this is a family relationship. 
See, from time to time, when I'm preaching in different places or, uh, uh, you know, even growing up, my my father, uh, um, you know, still is a preacher. He travels around the world and all of that. And, And at times... Uh, in his office, uh, there would be people waiting outside to meet with him, and, and there might be a meeting going on on the inside. And, and if someone wanted to go in, they, they would be standing outside waiting for their turn to go in because he's dealing with someone else or whatever. There would be a long line. There would be people waiting. It didn't matter what the, what the, what the situation was, what the meeting uh, uh, was taking place. When I had to go in, I would just walk in. There was nobody stopping me. Nobody said, no, 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 did you get your appointment for today? No, 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 did you call the office first of all? Nobody asked me why, because they knew I'm his son. I did not earn, I did not work 30 days in his garden and then get an access to his office. I'm simply his son. Guess what? You are simply a child of God Almighty. The day you were born again, you have access to the throne of grace at any single time. But pastor, what if I'm so, you know, what if I just sinned? What if I did something wrong? Guess what? Even at that time, you have access to come boldly. You still have access to come boldly before him. See, at this time, you're listening to the message. You're seated in, in, in church and you're listening. And now if you need to pray, you might think, okay, now I have access. Guess what? On a Saturday night, on a Friday night, on a Thursday, when you're out with your family or when you're out with your boys or with your girls and you're in the movie and you get a phone call with some bad news and you need to pray, you can be seated in the middle of a movie theater and you can enter the throne of grace boldly. Boldly. Why? Because anytime there's a point of need, he says, or need, you can enter into his presence boldly. Not because you're seated at a movie theater or not because you're seated in church. Only because of what has been given to you. And that gift of righteousness has been given to you. So you enter in boldly. You pray bold prayers. You declare boldly the word of God over situations, over circumstances. And you walk in the reality of the promises of God for your life. Amen. Last verse, and we'll close with this. Two, last two verses. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, uh, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the uh, flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And now, if you are in Christ Jesus, it says, There is therefore now how much condemnation? No condemnation. Other translations say there is now no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, some of you, when you're praying, you've struggled with thoughts like, well, you you know what you did last week. How do you think you could pray about this? You know what you did last month. How, How can you ask God for a promotion in your office? You know how you treated your wife or treated your husband or treated your uh, 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 parents or whatever. How can you ask God for a blessing in terms of your business? How can you ask God for this? How can you ask God for that? And when you go through certain tough times in your life, the devil has convinced you that it is God that is punishing you for certain things that you've done in the past. And some of you, you just took that. You believe that you said, yeah, I deserve this punishment in my life. I deserve to go through this tough time in my life. You know, I I did certain bad things a year ago. I treated that family bad. I treated that woman bad. I treated that man bad. I treated my boss, my employees bad. and, and, And I deserve this punishment. And you think that it is God trying to teach you something, so he's punishing you. And yet the scripture says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilt, no shame, no punishment. Why? Because you're in Christ Jesus. And here's what I want you to understand. Every shame that you're facing in your life, every bit of guilt that you are going through in your life, every bit of punishment that you think you deserve, guess what? Jesus took all of that on the cross of Calvary so that you don't have to walk in shame, you don't have to walk in guilt, you don't have to walk in any kind of fear or any kind of punishment. Now you're protected in Him. Now you live in Him. Now everything that He has, He has freely given it unto you. That's the freedom we have in Him. God is not punishing you. God is not punishing me. Now we might make some foolish decisions in our life and face the consequences of that. But it's not God that's punishing you. 
No, God is trying to restore you. God is trying to build your life back up. You might have fallen, but don't stay there. You've made some bad decisions, but don't stay there. See, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, many of you know this scripture. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Now, Paul is writing this from a jail cell. He doesn't even know if he's going to come out alive when he's writing this. If there is any person that can say, I know a thing or two in my life, it's Paul. If there's anyone that can say, I know a couple of things in my life, I learned a couple of things, it's Paul. And yet he says, brethren, I, I do not count myself to have apprehended, to have understood, but this one thing I do in my life, Paul says. Forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forward to those things which are ahead. Now, many of you, you need to start doing this in your life. Forgetting those things that are behind, leave them behind. Your old nature, leave it behind. What you did last week, leave it behind. What you did last month, leave it behind. What happened last year, leave it behind. What you did even last night or yesterday or maybe this morning. Maybe this morning, leave it behind. If, if God Almighty says, I, and in the book of Isaiah, he says, I will remember their sins no more. And he says, as, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've gotten their sins away from. And now, if God has forgotten about your sin, what business do you have remembering it? Why do you beat yourself up with it? See, in, 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 in reality, if you go before God today, and if you start praying and say, God, you remember last year when I did so-and-so, and you're talking about some sin, some mistake, he would simply say, what are you talking about? He doesn't know what you're talking about. He doesn't remember. He doesn't know. Not because he has a memory issue. Not because he has a memory problem. He says, I will remember no more. He's choosing to forget. And if God has forgotten about your sins, why do you want to keep reminding yourself of it? And see, some of you, you need to learn how to confuse the enemy. See, when the enemy comes and says, you don't deserve this in your life because of what you've done, you need to say, what are you, what are you talking about? Some of you, you have deep conversations with the enemy. You talk too much with the enemy. You're saying, yeah, yeah, I remember how I got drunk. Yeah, 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 I remember all the details. Yeah, I remember how I treated her. I remember how I treated him. No, 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 you don't need to have a conversation with the devil. When he comes and he says, you remember what you do? You say, I don't remember anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you're confusing me with someone else. You remember what you did? No, 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 devil. New identity. I don't know that person. That person you're talking about is dead. That person you're talking about is gone. I'm a new creation in Christ. No fear, no guilt, no shame, no insecurity. I am the righteousness of God. I am loved by God. His grace is upon my life. He's lavished His love upon my life. I will live the best days ahead. I will walk into the reality of the promises of God in my life. All His promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I will fulfill God's call, God's purposes for my life. End of story. End of story. You don't have to, you don't have to drag that stuff into your future. Paul re remember, do you understand that the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he says, I've forgotten. Can you imagine the things that he needed to forget? You think you have a big list? Man, if you're, if you're a list at, at max, maybe two pages long, Paul's was a novel. How many people did you kill? Don't raise your hands if you did. 
right? How many innocent women did you murder? Children burned. Livelihoods destroyed, families ripped apart. How many? Innocent lives destroyed, churches burned, leaders killed. And that man, do you know what he says? He says, I have wronged no man in my life. I have wronged no man, Paul. Paul, have you forgotten where you come, came from? Have you forgotten what you've done? And he would say, no. The person you're talking about is dead, is gone. The person you're talking to right now, he's wronged no man. I've done no wrong to anybody. And this is the very guy who killed people, destroyed lives, destroyed families, destroyed towns and villages. Set an entire, set villages afire. That's the kind of guy you're talking about. He was, he, he was the, you know, maybe the greatest terrorist of his time. Crusading against the church of the living God. And then he stands up and says, guess what? I've wronged no man. And that very same guy, Paul, he tells you and me, he says, forget the things that are behind you. Press on to what God has for you. His plans are for your good. His plans are to bless you. His plans are so that you can be a blessing to the nations of the world. You can change the course of your family. You can change the course of your destiny, of the destiny of your family. That's what God has for you. And that's what Paul is saying to you. Forget the things that are behind. Press on to what God has for you. That's the confidence that we have in Him. That's why when you go before God, you understand you're the righteousness of God because of what He has done for you. And you go to Him boldly, not trying to pay the price on your own because you can't pay the price, simply receiving it by faith and walking into the things that God has for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your goodness, Your mercies, Your love. We thank You for speaking to us. We thank You, Lord, for giving us the free gift of righteousness. We receive it by faith. We thank you for calling us your own. We thank you for letting us come into your kingdom, into your family. We worship you, we glorify you. You and you alone are worthy of all praise, worthy of all honor. Lord, we thank you that you've broken the power of sin over our lives. Sin does not have dominion over us any longer. Sin's power is broken because of what you have done. And we receive the gift of grace in our life. Thank you. Help us to pray bold prayers. And Lord, this week when we pray, when we believe, when we confess, we will confess, we will declare, we will believe that in all things are possible in and through you. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone said, Amen and amen.